what is the expectation of the Hawks going into the final third of the season? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky, where we talk everything Hawks. Let's go! And something else I wanted to bring up is there was a rumor from Pat Bev, uh, uh, I, I know we we talk about uh, the the trade deadline already, but it was interesting. Pat Bev announced his own trade, um, you know, that he was moving to Milwaukee. So Pat Bev also did another reporting that Daniel House was considering some teams in the East, Atlanta Hawks being one of them. What, what what's your thoughts on this? Because I think that the Hawks really need wing depth, and I think he would fit right in with that. You hit the nail on the head there, wing depth, uh, and and House can really provide uh, some spacing, three point shooting. He's a solid defender. He's a bigger guy, especially when he plays the three. And with the Hawks being under undersized, especially with Capella being out uh, over the final. You know, four or so games after uh, before the All-Star break, that would be a huge signing for the Hawks. I don't think that Atlanta would start Danwell House, uh, but I do think that he would get valuable backup wing minutes, especially I think he would play over Garrison Matthews. But if you have a pairing of Sadiq Bay and Jalen Johnson starting, then you bring in a House and Hunter, two kind of defensive-minded guys off the bench, I think that bodes well for the Hawks, who right now can really need any help they can get on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I like him defensively. Uh, he's a good spot-up three-point shooter as well. He'll help provide spacing for the offense whenever Trey's not on the floor. So, you know, for for me, you know, the wing depth has been probably the biggest issue for the Hawks this year. When you have guys like Jalen go down, then you have Hunter go down almost a, a week after that. Like it, it's just one of those things where the Hawks just didn't have a guy with size and skill to step in. And I think House fills a, a lot of that role if you can find a way to get him here in Atlanta. Yeah, and, and we can kind of move on here to a, we'll we'll call it mini mini player capsules. Uh, try to see what. This what these players have done well in the first half, what we can expect to improve on in the second half, or what we would like to stay the same, what we would like uh, them to do the same heading into the second half of the year. And so, Tim, we'll start with the franchise player, Trey Young. Uh, what what do you expect to see from Trey or want to see uh, continue or and or improve in the second third of the season, I should say, the final third? Um, for <laughs> For Trey, I, I think that it's um, it, it's you know something I want to see him continue to do is um, being more and more a vocal leader, uh, standing up for his guys. I think that um, it, it's been really great to watch 
trade defensively in the clutch. You've had guys go on podcasts like Paulo Bancaro and say, hey, look, we, we actually try to get away from Trey because his screen navigation is a whole lot better. Or, you know, things like that where, you know, as, you know, the NBA talks about Trey Young, they never mention his defense, but to hear things like that, it, it means a lot. Um, something I want Trey to kind of improve on um, would be, you know, slowing down a little bit. I feel like uh, I call it quicksand. And once he makes a mistake, then he makes another. And it's kind of like he digs himself a hole uh, sometimes with turnovers. And if he could just kind of slow it down, reset, uh, I think, you know, that's something he could definitely work on. I think for me, before we move on uh, to the next guy, Trey, early on in the season, was really struggling shooting-wise from three, from the rim, and from the mid-range. And then he had that run of 30 and 10 games where he was making every shot imaginable. He's kind of slipped a little bit since then in terms of finishing in the paint at the rim. And when you've got guys on this team really train Jalen as the only guys putting consistent pressure on the rim, I mean, Sadiq has done a better job of that as as of late. Trey finishing with efficiency at the rim is just super, super important. And I, uh, I, I think that that's one area that I think consistently needs to get better for Trey if this Hawks offense is going to perform like we know it can for the rest of the season when it dipped uh, in January. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to bring this up real quick before we get out of Trey. Uh, Trey competed in three-point contest, uh, came in tied for second. Uh, his group came in second in the skills challenge. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to talk about one play. Uh, just one play from the All-Star game was the nutmeg uh, on Kevin Durant. And Trey Young and Kevin Durant have a long history. Uh, Trey, you know, and his dad were season ticket holders at OKC when he lived, you know, when he was younger in Oklahoma. Um, Him and KD got to meet a long, long time ago. So it was kind of like a full circle moment. It was pretty cool. He had a nice nutmeg for a floater during the All-Star game on KD. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was awesome. And, and yeah, just kind of what I was saying about the the rim finishing, Trey Young is actually uh, in minimum 100, 100 field goal attempts at the rim. He is the uh, third lowest rim field goal percentage at 54.5, uh, according to NBA University. So I'd like to see that number go up a bit more, especially when he's putting pressure on the rim so many times throughout the game. And, and moving to the next guy, DeJounte Murray. Um it's pretty simple what I want to see more of DeJounte Murray. Um, he's had flashes of it this year, too, where he has great on-ball defense. Um, and he'll have it for a half. He'll have it for, you know, a quarter. Or when somebody pisses him off, he'll, he'll just, like, lock in defensively. And that's something I want to see him do for the the remainder third of this season is just lock in defensively. He he's having the best offensive um year of his career. Definitely shooting the ball. All the numbers are up for DeJounte. Um 
that that's the main thing I want to see is just him lock in defensively because offensively I feel like he's pulling his in. Yeah, for, for Dejounte, something I want him to keep doing is shooting threes. And like you said, he's doing a great job shooting the ball, uh, but he's keeping that volume up. I'm really encouraged by that. Uh, something I'd like Dejounte to improve on is he did it a little bit when when Trey was sidelined with that concussion uh, when he was at the point guard spot. But drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line, because the more he can do that, he's going to offset a little bit uh, some of those in- inefficient shooting nights where, you know, all guards will have those. Trey has those. But a lot of times he'll supplement that with getting to the line and making like eight, nine free throws. If DeJounte can do that, it'll add so much uh, to his nightly production as well. Yeah, and I posted a stat on Twitter uh, probably about two weeks ago about DeJounte getting to the line. Th- this year, he ranks like 50th in, you know, starting guards at getting to the line. And last year, he ranked 83rd. So that's a positive sign. Uh, hopefully, DeJounte can continue to build on that. Um, going to the next guy, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay, um, for me, the, these last two games, I saw flashes of Sadiq Bay playing really good defensively, and I I want to see more of it. Um, offensively, I need his three-point numbers to go up a little bit. Um, right now, he's at 31%. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, man, if he's just knocking down the corner threes like he did last year, I think the Hawks probably have a different record right about now. And yeah, for sure. Last season, 5.6 attempts uh, with that 31%. This season, shooting five attempts a game, or sorry, this year, 31% on 5.6. Last season, he shot 40% on five attempts. And that, that 9% percentage point difference is huge. And like you said, if he's making these corner threes, it builds so much more of the Hawks' offense. And defensively, I just need him to keep doing what he's done over the past, I'd say, two weeks, honestly. Uh, when he first got here, it def- definitely was rough defensively. And then playing into Quinn Snyder's system, obviously getting up high on the screen, uh, kind of a, a show, show less drop coverage, that doesn't really play into naturally what Sadiq would be a good defender at on paper. But I think he's d- done well kind of adjusting to it over the past month or so, and hopefully that continues into the final third. Yeah, and, and one more thing with Sadiq is, you know, if if he can go if he can go with the the three point shot in the corner falling, like it just opens up so much more offensively, where uh, I was listening to Tyler Jones the. Uh, earlier today on Brad Rowland's podcast, and he was talking about how DeJounte's guys hedge because they're not worried about DeJounte shooting threes. And Sadiq Bey's guys do the same thing. And what it what it does is if that guy hedges and kind of shows where, you know, they can't get downhill for, for Sadiq, if he's knocking down that shot, that guy can't hedge. And then it's kind of one of those things where it's a kind of perfect combination where 
you can't really force the ball out of Trey's hands. And something else I want to continue to see from Sadiq is his aggression to the rim. And we we said it probably about a month ago on the show now. He basically turned himself into, into a rim runner uh, when, when in that prolonged shooting slump that he was in. And if we can continue to get that from Sadiq and a little bit of the improved shooting that he's shown over the past uh, week before the All-Star break, that can turn into the player Sadiq Bey um, that the Hawks traded for and help them immensely after the trade deadline last season. Yeah, and we can move to the next player, um, Jalen Johnson. Uh, I mean, this is my favorite person to talk about right now um, just because I, I love the way that Jalen's developing. Um, what I want to see more is, is rim-rocking dunks, um, but um, things he needs to improve on. I feel like this is going to sound awkward, but I think that Jalen just needs to realize how big he is. When he has mismatches, he needs to take them to the rim. When when he has a guy more his size, guys like Tobias Harris, then you use the craftiness and you get to your shot. And, you know, that's something Jalen's learning as, as the season's going along. But, um, that that's something I'd like to see him work on a little bit. Yeah, for Jalen, it's just really being more being more aggressive. Uh, obviously, Landry Fields emphasized internal development at that uh, post trade deadline press conference, and Jalen is w- one of those guys. The internal development has been really good for him, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Hawks do, uh, and if there is a switch after this All Star break where. Uh, you know, if, if they're still competing for the plan, I don't expect to see this. But will Jalen be featured a little bit more offensively than DeJounte, kind of with the future of this roster uh, being centered around Trey and Jalen? It'll be interesting to see that. But for that to happen, I think uh, Jalen Johnson needs to show a little bit more aggression and just overall the, the consistency on the offensive end. We know that he's going to be an excellent defender. Obviously, he's getting reps there. Now, he's not reached his defensive ceiling. He's not close to it. But uh, it's really important for him to be getting these reps on these elite wings and sometimes even guards, uh, taller guards. Uh, So I obviously love what I've seen from Jalen, and I hope that he can be even more aggressive offensively and kind of uh, keep keep that scoring at those high teens, maybe close to 20 and 9. All right. So one guy I wanted to bring up next was Clint Capella. Now we we have him in our starting lineup group, and we could go ahead and have this conversation now. With the Hawks saying that they were moving towards the development phase, Jalen Johnson and Nyaka Kongwu together just works better. There, there's no getting around it. There's no arguing it. They need to be playing all their minutes together because the offense just works the best when they play together. Clay Capella does not have in, in a two-man lineup on, if you go through the stats, there is not a plus when Clay Capella is in the line and in, in the lineup in a two-man lineup. That is a problem. And Capella, if, if you look at some, some of the issues that Hawks fans have had for, for really a few years now, is 
his uh, efficiency at the rim and on Tippin specifically because he does get a lot of offensive rebounds. You know, he's top five rebounder in the league pretty easily, uh, but he's not converting a lot of those second chance points. Capella is 32 for 80 uh, on Tippins. Now, when you compare that to guys like Rudy Gobert, 32 for 47, and 32 for 45 for Daniel Gafford, that efficiency is pretty bad. And a shout-out to D. Lee for three, in Snyder we trust on Twitter uh, with, with these statistics. But 60% of the rim, uh, that that is not going to cut it. And he has the third-worst rim field goal percentage among players 6'10 or taller. For Capella, I think the biggest area I want to see as far as an improvement is actually on the defensive end. Now, I don't think he's going to magically turn into just uh, an elite finisher at the rim, but defensively, I want to see more of the more of the blocks that we used to see from Capella. We he went through a stretch, I'd say about in December, uh, early January, where he looked like shades of 2021 Capella. Where for two weeks he was grabbing like he had, he almost had a twenty twenty game seventeen and seventeen he was grabbing almost twenty boards a night for for almost a week and a half stretch. If the Hawks can get that the, that rebounding performance out of Capella and give them more opportunities for that offense to score, I think that'll bode well. Yeah, and and something for Capella is for me is going to be on the offensive side. Just kick out the ball like. If you get an offensive rebound and you're not in dunking distance, kick it out. Like, I think that, you know, sometimes when Capella's down there, he forces things up, and it doesn't have to be that way. They're, the Hawks have a lot of shooters out there. Um, with Trey Young running the offense, uh, I feel like, you know, the Hawks can really reset and kind of get into something with, you know, way more uh, – gall to it like like there's plenty of plays that the hawks can run after an offensive rebound besides capella putting up a a 50 50 hook shot so that that's something i want to see him get better at and as we move on here to onyeka kongwu obviously that starting center debate between a kongwu and capella is a big is a big topic there but it's going to be interesting what the hawks will do after after the All-Star break, will Capella be ready? Will Okongwu be ready from his toe injury? Uh, that's It's going to be a real question mark. And it'll be um, definitely fascinating as far as what, what everybody's responses will be on the Hawks Twitter. But moving on to uh, Okongwu's kind of what I, what I want to see from him in this final third. Offensively, I think Okongwu's done a really good job. And especially especially when he's got that starting position, the fact that you can run Jalen and Onyeka together, both of them can make decisions out of the short roll. Both of them can uh, play make throw lobs to each other. Both of them have been stepping outside, shooting the three ball a little bit better, especially Okongwu. Jalen slipped a little since the beginning of the year. But I just want Onyeka to keep doing what he's been doing offensively. Yeah, I, I think offensively Onyeka's been really good. I think that something I want to see him work on is kind of integrate a, a pump fake into his arsenal of of things offensively. Defensively, just just work on rebounds, boxing out, you know, doing his thing on the on the rebounding end. Um 
we know a guy that if if he is plunged into that starting lineup, a guy like Clint Capella is a great rebounder. And the Hawks shouldn't have too much of a dip when Anyaka is starting compared to Clint. So, you know, offensively, it'll be better with Anyaka. Defensively, he's got to be better on the boards to to keep it even there. Yeah, and I think there there should be no reason for the Hawks to suffer, like you said, if they do make that switch with the Conlon starting lineup because he also has DeJounte Murray, who's, who's a good rebounding guard, Sadiq Bey, great rebounder, great rebounder offensively, especially at that three position, and then Jalen Johnson, who's been a great defensive rebounder this season. So you, you've got guys that, that will cover for you and gang rebound uh, with the Kongu out there. So that defensively, that's got to that's be the biggest increase we see from, from Onyeka uh, to make sure that, you know, he can kind of lock down that starting spot moving forward. Yeah, moving into Bogey. Um, Bogey, offensively, just keep firing him. <laughs> like, just keep shooting. Um, I felt like Bogey has, um, you know, he's went through his slumps this season, but offensively he's been, you know, really good. Like he's he's the only one on the Hawks roster with a positive net rating right now. Um that is concerning, um, to say the least. But we know Bogey defensively, you know, has struggled a lot and to still have the, the best net rating, uh, you know he's doing something right offensively. Um, one thing I want him to improve on is trying to keep his guy in front. Um, definitely on the defensive end. I don't expect him to be a, a, a lockdown defender, but keeping his guy in front would, you know, clear out half the battle for the Hawks. I think one of the one of the specific areas Bogey can improve on in his defense is transition defense. And even in the half court, uh, I've I've always thought he's been a physical defender. I don't feel like I've seen that. Uh, I or wasn't seeing that over the final say two weeks uh, before the All Star break. It was kind of pretty much a defense there and in transition. So being being back to that physical defender up top and also keeping guys organized as, as a veteran, just in transition defense communication, I think is really important for Bogey at that at the top of at the top of the defense there in transition. So hopefully those two areas are, are key for him as we move into the final third here. Yeah. And we can move into the next guy, Deandre Hunter, to be honest with you, ever since he's been back, I don't know if there's much you can complain about. Keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just keep doing what you're doing. The issue is, can you consistently stay on the floor? That is the thing that Deandre Hunter needs to figure out whether it's being on a minutes limit so your knee doesn't flame up then do it if it's you know better aftercare or post-game treatment or extra pre-game treatment whatever it is whatever you're doing right now keep it going because he is playing out of his mind lately and uh it's been great for the hawks and yeah, out of out of his mind is a pretty pretty good way to describe it because he does have some pretty unrealistic shooting numbers. Over 50% from the field, over 50% from three. Obviously, the three-point 
percentage will probably come down. And with DeAndre's ability to, to take advantage of his mid-range and kind of the way he's been attacking the rim, that field goal percentage above 50%, that could stay. So hopefully that hopefully those numbers can stay where they're all. Obviously, the three-point percentage will drop a little bit. Just nobody's that good of a shooter. But if he can hover around that 40% where he's been at most of the season, we're looking at a guy who's going to be an X-factor consistently down the stretch for the Hawks. Uh, another guy we wanted to bring up was Garrison Matthews. To be honest with you, Mikey, if the Hawks go get a guy like Daniel House, I don't want to see Garrison Matthews. Um, but for Garrison, you know, as of right now, still getting rotation minutes, something I want to see him continue to do is take charges, be aggressive on defense, and, and you know, make an impact on that side of the floor. Offensively, um, Gary Bird is going to be Gary Bird. He's going to launch that thing anytime he catches it and he's open. The the thing is with me is don't don't take a horrible shot. Like if if you got a guy closing out and you're too close, like just pass the ball, reset, and try to get a better shot. And for me, the biggest thing I want to see Garrison improve on is staying out of foul trouble. I mean, he's been playing pretty limited minutes in the times that he has, but I remember, I uh, don't remember exactly which game it was, but he had three fouls uh, in like two minutes. And especially if the Hawks are going to keep DeAndre Hunter healthy and on the floor, the guys in the rotation at the forward spots are going to need to be able to cover those minutes so that DeAndre can be fully healthy uh, for this final stretch. So uh, Garrison Matthews, hopefully he can stay out of foul trouble. All right, the the next guy I want to bring up is Kobe Bufkin. Um and, and he'll be our final guy in this. Um we we have uh campaigned for more Kobe Bufkin minutes. Um the last meaningful rotation minutes that he had was against the Houston Rockets where he completely locked down Jalen Green. I think that you know with the Hawks talking about development again, as we keep emphasizing this, the best way to get Kobe ready for the NBA is to let him play, get him all the minutes he can, meaningful minutes, not garbage time minutes, meaningful minutes. So minutes that have value. And I think that, you know, it'll be tremendous for his growth. And also, if the Hawks do make a run, he's not a deer in headlights if something does happen. For Bufkin, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say what he can improve on as far as at the NBA level because when he has had those minutes, like in that Rockets game, he was basically playing the small forward and didn't really know what to do do on offense. I mean, he was kind of a, a, an afterthought there, kind of standing in the corner, did make a three, which was encouraging, but. Uh, for Bufkin offensively, I hope that if he gets the chance, what I want to see is just making good reads out of the pick and roll. From what he was doing in summer league or earlier last season, uh, last year, to what he's done in the G League this season is is an insane improvement. It's so quick, and the way the game has come to him in College Park is pretty much effortless. If he can translate any bit of that into making reads at the NBA level, 
I think uh, Bufkin will have a huge shot at making an impact in the Hawks rotation late down the stretch this season. And let's see if the Hawks can uh, can really make make a run here, try to get finished in the plan, or, or who knows, maybe even the sixth seed. And I, I know these, these guys do not want to tank. So most likely you're going to see them in the plan trying to get playoff experience for these guys. Let's see how far they can make it. And that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at Pinwizard300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.